The 219th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. Here to get you ready for Carolina and Notre Dame. That game will come your way Wednesday night. It's a late one, 9 p.m. tip over on ESPN as Carolina will seek a much-needed win uh, as they try to get themselves back in the NCAA tournament uh, projections. Um, And so we're here to get you ready for the matchup with the Irish. We'll take a look at Notre Dame, update you on everything you need to know about Carolina, take a look back at the first matchup, and, of course, give our keys to the game and pick the game. But uh, we start every preview edition of the pod, as we always do with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And we go to the GOAT, the former head coach of Carolina basketball, now just maybe the GOAT of retirement, that being uh, Roy Williams. Uh, and, And today's quote is, overconfidence is that cocky feeling you get right after you realize you know better. And, um, you you know, this is a team that right now, if they were overconfident, I wouldn't even be upset because at least there would be some confidence that was in this group. This team right now is, is as defeated a team. I, 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 I can remember watching play. Um, they look defeated when they when they walk on the court. They look defeated when they go to the huddle. Every time an opponent makes a shot, there's just this look of like, oh, crap, here we go again. Um, and then you just hear the way these players talk in the locker room. Um, it's a defeated look, or it, it, it's a defeated sound. It's not what you, you hear from Huber Davis, where Huber Davis was preaching still optimism and patience. Um, you hear players that are, are visibly frustrated, and half the time they don't really know what to say because all they know is that they lost and they're not, they, they don't know how to process losing, which is kind of odd to because they've lost a lot over the last three years. You'd think they've gotten pretty good at processing those feelings, but you know, at some point there's got to be something that gives this team confidence. Um, because if, if, if they never get any confidence back in them, 
they're never going to turn this thing around. You know, we were having a, a discussion today at, at, at my job about where did it all where did it all go wrong? And, you know, some guy said the Pittsburgh lost the second time around. This one guy said it was the, the loss to Iowa State all the way back in Portland. I was just being a smart butt. I said it went wrong when the season started because for, from from word go, this there were problems. And um, I feel like I've I failed as a podcast host when I was telling uh, y'all that when you're barely beating UNC Wilmington, Gardner Webb, uh, I was trying to downplay it. And we should have really known from the beginning that this was a team that despite bringing back four starters despite having a lot of things expected of them they didn't enter the season a confident group and that's the biggest reason why they find themselves where they are today on the outside looking in for the 2023 NCAA tournament I told you that first game of the season it looked like a team that was scared to lose games and I think we're sitting here now and we're feeling pretty much the exact same way um, that this team is now just af- afraid of losing more than they are. That they're confident. There, there's no confidence, man. There's no confidence. There, there hasn't been all season. Even, even when they were winning games, it didn't feel like this was a confident bunch. It felt like a team that just, you know, was was going to fold under the pressure in games where it mattered the most. And I think we've seen that as we've gone down the stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. This team this team cannot handle expectations. That's what we learned about this group. Because when you go back to last year and you talk about the run that they had in the NCAA tournament, they never had any expectations. What, what game did they have expectations in? St. Peter's? That was it. Like nobody else, the majority of the other games – Outside of maybe the game against Marquette, most people thought Carolina was going to lose. And that was before the tournament, if you would have told them that they matched up. And when the matchups actually happened, even the Duke game, that 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 was a game going in in the Final Four that most people thought Carolina was going to lose. They thought the revenge factor for Duke, along with the fact that Coach K was more experienced than Hubert would lead to them winning the game. So I think that's what this season has really shown is that this team just cannot handle being the team that is expected to come out and win, the team that's going to get everybody's best. That they, you know, we knew we knew early on that they couldn't handle that. I said one of the things that we heard Hubert Davis say was that he was going to coach these guys differently this year because this was a team with expectations as opposed to last year under a first-year head coach with no expectations. It doesn't seem like they've handled that that well. So, But here's – I got has he coached them differently? Honestly. Like – I mean – Because – Yeah, he, I, I got to be honest. He has coached them differently. He's coached them worse. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, you know, th- there was – you know, there was that message in the preseason where – you know, it, it. I think the thing about why this team is so uneasy is that because I, when you got to sell as often as Schubert Davis is having to sell that he's comfortable in his own skin or whatever, is he really comfortable in who he is and what he's doing? Like honestly, I mean, I, I okay, that's fair. But would you be at this point with what's going on? 
Like, I got to be honest. If you were comfortable with this, then there's a problem. I mean, it's not that I'm comfortable with the results. I'm never going to be comfortable, satisfied. Like, 16 and 11 isn't good enough. Uh, Since 2010, this team has, this program has lost double digit games every year but three. That's not good enough. And, you know, I I think the messaging that I'm trying to get across is that this wasn't good enough when Roy Williams was here either. Right. It wasn't that I accepted that reality. I didn't accept it any less because it hurt hurt even more because that was my guy. So it's just like, and look, there it's it's okay for Hubert to still not be comfortable, but whenever you're having to keep selling it that you are, at some point, like maybe you're just talking to, you know, you're 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 talking to deaf ears in terms of a fan base, you, you know. And look, I'm not sitting here saying that I want the man fired. I know you're certainly not saying that you want the man fired. Hell no. But it's, you know, it's just one of those things to where, like, you know, and I kind of got some pushback for my whole read the room comments after the NC State loss. But, like, I don't understand. I got to be honest. I don't really, I don't really get why. I, I, I think, look, there is, there is a side. I, like, I see both sides. There's a side that says, look, man. Why the hell are you saying that? Why are you remaining confident? Shred this team. I I don't the last part I don't agree with. Shred this you team. You can't you cannot come out and just call out dudes by name. You are going to lose these guys completely if you do that. If you start pointing fingers, like if you come out in the press conference and say, "Hey man, Pete Nance kind of sucks." <laughs> hey man, Caleb Love, man that dude can't shoot. Worth a damn. But is okay, it, is, you're, you're is it going, asking too much for him to say we need him to be better? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Uh, well, I would not single out players. Put it that way. That that's not that's not the style that I would go with. Not at this level. If it's at the NBA level, well, it's, it's not I feel like there's out, certain but it's guys. Just like you, you, but you're not you're not coming out and saying, "Hey, so and so has to be better." If you're doing that, what the the style that you're doing that in is, you're saying basically in a roundabout way, you're saying the whole team needs to be better. So you're saying, "Hey, man, Caleb needs to be better. RJ needs to be better. Armando needs to be better." And then how you always would finish that up if you're doing that is you would say, I need to be better. That's Or you would probably also punctuate it with, most importantly, I need to be better. Yeah. Like, that's the way that you're going to approach that. So, I mean, look, I get it. I thought... I thought the thing about, hey, we still have we still have a lot of season to play. Come on, man. You, you're, you're staring down the barrel of playing five more games. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. So, you don't have much time. Your margin for error, as we said last night, and I think correctly as well, is gone. There is none. You've lost nine quad one games. You're 0-9. Like, you have to, and that stuff matters. As stupid as it it is, because I think the quad system is ridiculous, mainly because I think the net rankings are just... Asinine. Yeah. I, I think they, they make no sense. They're anything but net. 
Dude, they make absolutely no sense. The fact that we went as long, and look, you could say whatever you want because at the time it was helping us. The fact that Ohio State was a quad one win for as long as it was makes no sense at all. They were, there was a time where they were a game below 500, and it was a quad one win. What? Like, how does that make any sense? So, like, I get it. You can't put everything into that, but the committee does. They put. Now, I'm not saying everything, but they put a lot into that. So you're now facing a scenario. I mean, look, you you got to get at least one of your final two quad one games to have any chance. And to be honest with you, I, at at this point, you've got you've got to win both. And that's if Duke remains a quad one game. And I'm not just saying when you face them, because remember, that's not how it works. It's not when you face that team and you play them quad one, that remains on your resume as a quad one. No, it very it, it fluctuates. Yep. So if Duke was to go into the ACC tournament and get upset in the first round, or they're to lose another game along the way, they could fall out of there. And then that's not even a quad one win. So the margin for error, it's it's not there. And for him to act like, hey, we're just trying to keep the guys focused. Dude, Hubert, this ain't December, bro. I, I don't know if you got your calendars mixed up. Like, dude, does Hubert, is Hubert putting up his Christmas tree right now? Well, like the, the thing is, is that. Oh, that's, that, that's mind-blowing. There's no sense of urgency with this group. It doesn't and, seem to be, and and I said this, I said this, and then in the other night, every team ever takes on the personality of its head coach. Well, if your head coach doesn't have a sense of urgency, and at sixteen and eleven, and look, you're not going, he he can't convince me that he doesn't know they're not going to make the tournament if, if if we watch the selection show today. Like you're not going to convince me of that. No, but he's not. He's not going to tell you that. And I wouldn't want my coach but, to look me in the eyes as a and be like, "Yeah, we." I, were, I, you you would want that. You you want someone that can still inspire a team. The 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 messaging for where this team is isn't where the messaging should be. It's not what the messaging. Oh, the messaging should be, guys. We are at a desperate point here. We yeah. have to. We have to win. And win now. And we have to play desperate, and we have to coach. Well, we, you got to play desperate, but you got to play smart but, too. And, and you know, we got to coach desperate, and that's not happening. And you know, the thing that I think that really just bit me in the butt, probably more than anything, the other day when we lost to to the pack. That sounds painful. Was that that game? That game. It was evident how much more that game meant to NC State than us. And like, don't get me wrong. That's their Super Bowl. They babies were conceived to them beating us the other night. Oh, they they are currently in. They, it's in the works for the banner that's going up. They will remove one of the national title banners and put that up because that's more important to them. That's all that matters. Well, because it actually happened, you know, in, in half of their fan base's lifetime. But <laughs> so, like, with, like, what 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 I'm saying is that. Even though that game always means more to state, and Carolina has to get up to that same emotional level and intensity, they weren't even close the other day. 
Even though the scoreboard reflected it was close at times, Carolina took a six-point lead from an emotion standpoint. Carolina was never as emotionally invested in that game as State was. Look at the la- look at look at that run at the end of the game, man. Well, and the thing is, they, is that that they, game was inex- that was inexcusable with how much that game meant. Like we went into the game saying Carolina wins the game, and they entered the game first four out, whatever. But even if they would have won the game, they would have. Maybe still been last four in. Maybe they move all the way to last four buys. Yep. But look how drastic their seed projection changed after the Clemson win. This would have been a ten times better win against Clemson. I told you that it it, it didn't it didn't mean as much as the Duke game did a year ago. But from a seeding projection, it had the same type of impact. Had you won the game, and you didn't, and. We go into a post game with players shell shocked and a head coach that was up there holding hands and singing "Kumbaya" to a fan base that doesn't want to hold hands together and sing "Kumbaya" right now. And I mean, that- I, I I don't know. I don't think he's holding hands. I I got to be honest. I think he is at this point. I think he is just trying to hold it together because I I got to tell you, I think what you saw yesterday, I I think you saw a guy that is at the point of, if you don't care, then I don't care. Well, and I, I think one thing I've really just come to, as, as as frustrated as I am with him, because I'm frustrated with Hubert Davis. I'm not gonna, no, no, um, stop it. I, I also think, though, he just knows in the back of his mind, this ain't the crew. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't Carolina basketball for he, under Hubert Davis. I, I, I just, I just, my, well, and, it's and, not even, it's not even that. And, Dude, and, what, these... and what last year was, was all that it, it was a run. It, what last year was was what makes March Madness March Madness. Was a team gets hot, it got the right set of matchups, and everything just came together, and you you became oh so close for winning a national championship. When in reality. That wasn't a national title team. No. And this team, despite bringing back four of those five guys, wasn't a national title caliber team. Yeah, so there's a couple points that I want to make here. First of all, on Hubert Davis's part, um, if it, and I've seen people that are doing this, if you want to still try to discredit him for that run last year, I, I, I mean, just, just get the hell out. Seriously. Like you, you don't know anything about sports. Like how in the no, seriously, how do you how do you find a way if not a good coach, terrible coach, to beat Shaka Smart, who this fan base absolutely loves? I think Shaka Smart is overrated as hell. Here we go. By the way, uh, the one of the most overrated coaches in the entire sport. How do you beat him, who people want as our head coach, Scott Drew, who? I mean, can we can we say this right now? I first of all, I still don't I still don't trust the man because I picked them how many times in my bracket before they actually made a run and they let me down every time. Um currently top ten head coach, right? Could argue top five, right? Oh, in college basketball? You can argue top three. Okay. Um UCLA and Mick Cronin. I like Mick Cronin a lot. Mick Cronin, extremely experienced. As of right now, what he's doing at UCLA, top 15 coach, right, at least? I would say top 10. Oh, easily. Okay, so he beat that guy. 
St. Peter's, magical run. Okay, whatever. You can take away from that what you want. If you say, oh, that's an easy win. It's an Elite Eight game against a team that was absolutely on fire. Whatever. You don't want to give them credit on that one. That's fine. And then you turn around and beat the greatest coach maybe in the history of basketball? Like, and you're you're trying to, you're really trying to tell me that Hubert Davis had nothing to do with that. He deserves no credit. <laughs> there are people, there are people like this. Like, come on, man. But the other thing is, is that, I, I mean, I think he's at that point this year. I I just think he looks at this group and he says, do they get, do these guys, because I, I thought the same thing again yesterday. I thought there was a stretch in some of these other games where you could say, okay, this team cares. I, I, I asked myself yesterday, especially when State went on that run late in the game, do these guys give a damn that they are getting their ass kicked? Because they didn't look like it. They would literally just inbound the ball and walk the ball up. Hubert Davis calls timeout. They just walk, They just slumped to the huddle. Like, yeah. where is the passion? Where is somebody that's – where is a player – on the on the team that is standing up in the huddle that's getting their ass kicked and just says I'm over it. I I'm I'm pissed. Can we do something? Well, that guy that did do that was Jackson Watkins and he Who is a bitch? He he doesn't play. He was a walk-on and uh like he he, he, he would have seen the court yesterday. I mean, dude, why does nobody else care? I look I think there are some guys that maybe just aren't vocal. Like, I think that Armando Baycock cares. I think that R.J. Davis cares. I There are some other guys on this team. I question if, if at a certain point in the year when they realize things are not going the way that we want, if they just – I'm not saying – I'm not saying stop caring, but are they just – have they just tuned out? Or, I don't know, are they going through the motions? Like, it, it's it's just mind-blowing to me. Like, I don't know, as somebody that came back as, and, and said at media days, and it's not, it's not all the guys on the team, like it was three guys, but like, I don't know, I'd be pretty pissed that we are where we're at. I would get tired. Like, is anybody tired of getting your ass kicked all the time? Is anybody tired of not making shots? Like, I'm not saying that you got to go over there and start, like, throwing chairs or like that. Uh, Like, I'm not saying – that's the thing. I'm not saying that you have to get so animated. Like, you don't have to go Bobby Knight style. Wouldn't hurt. But, like, can you – like – has there ever been a huddle this year? Has there been a time where they've come back from break and they've shown the Carolina huddle and said so-and-so was fired up in the Carolina huddle? They've shown Hubert a couple times, but no players. There's never anybody that says, hey, I'm going to step up and get mad on behalf of the entire team. Everybody just sits there. They're just sitting there and taking it. You're sitting there and taking the fact that you're getting your ass kicked, that people are telling you over and over again. You said that like four times. Yeah, because it's true. Like, people are calling you the biggest embarrassment in the history of the sport. And I got to be honest, it's not just this sport. It's every sport. You are one of the most embarrassing teams ever. Like, you're one of the biggest flops. Like, don't you get pissed about that? 
Because I am. I don't know if you can tell. Like, if we're pissed as fans, how would you not be mad about that? That you're showing up and putting in all this work and nothing's happening. I don't know, man. I, I just, I would I would be fired up at some point in the season. Yeah, and maybe it'll be after the season when a program overhaul takes place. Because that's what they're looking at right now. You're looking at a scenario where you are walking kids out of the door of your program and you're walking assistant coaches out of your program. Um, and that shouldn't be happening in year two of Hubert Davis's tenure uh, for Carolina. Let's transition back into the task at hand. That's Notre Dame. Uh, the Irish enter just 10-17 and 17 overall. They are a woeful two and fourteen in the ACC, the second to second to last place team in the conference. Um, they've lost five in a row. The thing is, is that you know, kind of like the first time, they've got four guys that are scoring the ball in double figures, led by Nate Lashevsky's fourteen point seven points, seven rebounds, one point four assists, shooting fifty three percent from the field, forty two percent from three. Dane Goodwin, 12.1 points, 5.2 rebounds, 2.1 assists. He's shooting 45% from the field, 39% from three. Cormac Ryan, one of the founders of the university. Oh, my God. 11.5 points, four rebounds, 2.5 assists, 42% from the field, 38% from three. And then J.J. Startling, uh, 11.2 points, 2.9 boards, 1.2 assists, uh, 42% from the field, 30% from three. They average 70 points as a team, and four uh, four guys right there average double-figure scoring. So that's right there is about four-sevenths, about five-sevenths of their scoring as a whole. Nice, so kind of like Carolina, they don't have a whole lot of outside scoring outside of their starters, and they're really limited in the, in the front court, and so they've just really been beaten up with a lack of size and a lack of depth. They've been playing a lot harder. For whatever that's worth, as of late, despite the five-game losing streak, you know they took they took Duke uh, almost to the wire, losing by four. Um, they lost this weekend to Virginia by two, uh, to Virginia Tech by six, at Georgia Tech by two. Uh, they did get routed at home by Wake Forest by seventeen. And we know Mike Bray's a good coach, and we know that Mike Bray knows how to coach against Carolina. And so with that, Carolina's going to have their hands full. Their hands full. Uh, and they bring with them that beautiful 16-11 and 11 record, the most losses ever by a preseason number one team. That, that dates back to 1961-1962 and just 8-8 eight and eight in the league. You're, you're talking about a team that got twice as many, maybe three times as many first-place votes to win the conference. They're 8-8 eight and eight in the conference. Um, just nowhere near what we thought they were going to be, what they should have been uh, so far this year. Um, as of Joe Lenardi's uh, latest NCAA tournament projection, so this is a recording on Monday. He put this out about Monday at lunchtime. Carolina still remains the first team out of the NCAA tournament. So they're the, they're the 69th seeded team in the, in the bracket, which is a lot of times a nice number to be – associated with but in this tournament or in this field where only 68 teams make it being 69th not so nice but the problem with this this for carolina is that if they win this win doesn't do anything to your seed line nope it doesn't improve it you have nothing to gain and everything to lose carolina if carolina were to lose this game 
you have you're looking at a scenario where you have to win the ACC tournament to make the field. And I'm that that's even if you beat I mean, let's e- let's be honest. That's if they even don't if you beat Duke and Virginia at home. This is the type of loss that keeps you all the way out of the out of the field. Yeah. Oh, I I said if somebody asked me Duke Duke Tonight, on the night of recording, plays Louisville. They asked me what would happen if Duke was to lose that game. I told them they would be out of the tournament field if yeah. they lost that game. That's that's how bad some of these teams at the bottom of this conference are. And and I get it. They've been playing better. But they're still, they're they're not, I mean, they're they're far from great, folks. Like, this is not the team at all that we thought they were going to be. We thought this was going to be one of the better teams in the conference this year. We th- we, I mean, I had them fifth, fifth or sixth in that range. I, I thought for sure this was a tournament team. They're basically, to a much lesser degree, kind of what Carolina is. They brought a lot of people back. Everybody thought they were going to compete, not for an ACC title or a national title, but they thought they would compete for – uh, uh, you know, to make the tournament, make the second round, and they're not even going to the NIT, the CIT, or the CBI. They're just going to be sitting at home watching spring practice football. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm telling you, it's it's rough, man. So yeah, this is this is a must have, and, and Carolina's got two of these games. At the end of the schedule, this is why right now, and both on the road, and we can't trust this team to go on the road and win. Yeah, I mean, look. That's the good. The, the good news is that look, you get the you get the games that are supposed to be easy. I'm not even going to say easy games because at this point, nothing's easy. The games that are supposed to be easy, you get on the road, and you get the two tougher opponents in your building. The ones that you have to win to push yourself into the tournament field. But, I mean, yeah, I it would not shock me at all if they came out and lost this game. There's nothing that should tell you they should lose this game. But, I mean, even, even when Carolina played them earlier in the year, they didn't exactly dominate this team. This was another one of those games. They weren't able to put the foot on the throat when they were leading. And put this game away. They made they they had to sweat this one out. And I mean, for now, I, I got to be honest. That's another thing that could hurt Carolina. If if they struggle in this game, that could actually hurt them. They they could actually drop further away from the tournament field if they struggle in this game. That's the point that you're at with them and with Florida State later on in the schedule. Because Florida State, man. That was one of those teams where midseason it looked like maybe they were doing some things early in conference play. Hell no. No, 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 no. So Carolina's got to win these games, and they, they, they have to win them pretty comfortably to make sure that they are at least still in contention to make the tournament field, I think. Carolina's still got three guys averaging double figure scoring, led by Baycott's double-double, 17.3 points, 11.1 rebounds, shooting 56% from the field. Caleb Love now up to uh, 17.2 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, 2.9 assists, shooting 39% from the field, 31% from three. 
Caleb or then RJ Davis, 15.8 points, 4.9 rebounds, 3.3 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field, 34% from three. Take a look back at the first matchup between these two. Uh, Carolina improved 11 and five overall on the season, three and two in the league. This was that weird 11:30 a.m. start for Carolina at home in Chapel Hill in a game that they won 81-64. to uh, They seized control of the game at the under eight-minute mark or so of the first half, built a 41-28 halftime lead that would never really be threatened in the second half. And the things that really stood out in this game was a double-double from Baycott, 21-13. and 13. Uh, Caleb scored 18 points on 6 of 16 shooting, but at the time that was an efficient game for him right now. Or at the time, you know, and then you had R.J. Davis scoring 13 points. This was also the game that uh, Pete Nance left injured. Two minutes, like two minutes into the game. Yeah, didn't even play in this game. That's right. Yeah, this was one of the games that he missed. You saw Seth Trimble get the rare start, but Puff Johnson off the bench, 22 minutes, scored 11 points. Uh, DeMarco Dunn off the bench, played 16 minutes, scored seven points. Puff Johnson still has a role on this team. He played 22 minutes the other day against NC State. Uh, DeMarco Dunn did not. Uh, Didn't see the court in the most important game so far of the season, despite outside of Puff Johnson being the most consistent minutes guy, the, the, the most guy off the bench that got the most run. Carolina in that game also shot 48% from the field, 42% from three, and they, they beat them on the glass 45-32, to 32, handed out 19 assists on their 31 made baskets. And the thing was, was that like at the time, that's when you know Carolina was coming off that disappointing loss to Pittsburgh, and you had a lot to to really get right and 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 try to get going back in the right direction. And Carolina was able to do that. And that was like when this happened, when Carolina won this game, and they were in the midst of winning ten out of twelve. It was the first time I thought they were building towards something, and that's something I talk about all the time. Is November builds in December, December builds to January, January to February, March to or February to March, March to April, and since then, whatever whatever was being built's been you know it's been knocked down, like the wall of Jericho, and then you know so many years ago. I mean and- that wall has been knocked down, blown up. I mean that thing that that thing is completely gone, and so it's just. You know, whenever we, we 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 play teams for a second time and we take a look back at the first matchup and we say, how can we replicate the same success? I don't know. Uh, you can. I, I, I let's just let's just be. I, I don't really real honest. I don't really know how the how they can replicate it because that was that was about as good as Carolina played all season long was back in January, and never since then it's just been. It's been all downhill and pretty much good night, Irene, for this team. Um, really, since they took the week off in, in in between the the end of January and the beginning of February. So, um, with that, you know, we've kind of set the scene. We've we, we've talked about Notre Dame. We've talked about Carolina, in a, in a multitude of different ways. You know about the Irish. You know about the Heels. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer we have from our show sponsor, DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll give our keys to the game and pick the game on the Four Corners podcast back after this message from DraftKings. 
NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry more or, or, or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all of these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you here on on the Four Corners podcast. Uh, same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast as well. Get to DraftKings, use those promo codes, make smart, safe bets, and make extra money. Uh, the first key to the game, same key it's been for about a month now, shot selection. NC State couldn't guard Carolina the other day. Couldn't guard them. And yet, we we settled for 22 three-point shots. And now, look, when Carolina shoots 35% or better from beyond the arc, they're undefeated this year. When they shoot below that threshold, they're a below 500 basketball team. And at, at some point, I know Huber Davis wants to play spacing. And to do that, you probably need to play Puff Johnson more than you play Pete Nance. He spaces the court a whole heck of a lot better than uh, Brick Shot Pete does. Oh, but at at at, at some point, there's got to be a, a a reluctance to tell your guys that are shooting in the low thirty percent to quit shooting threes. I, I mean, like, look, man. Here's the thing: putting the ball inside the other day. I mean, yeah, it made a lot of sense. I will say this. Armando Baycott did not finish at a high rate the other day. Half the time, he wasn't even on the floor, and that goes again back into the rotation, which is growing more and more frustrating for just about everybody out there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just maddening at this point. And, I mean, that look, that was one of their better three-point shooting days. Yeah, was 7 of 22. I mean, that's insane. Now, now, granted, I will say this: that that is the the number is a little skewed because they took so many in that at that final minute. I mean, what Caleb Love jacked up like four or five in the final minute his, himself. Which, by the way, dude, Caleb Love, if he only had to play the final minute of blowouts, he'd be one of the greatest players in the history of the game. That's that's when this dude makes his most shots. It makes no sense. It's it's I, I mean, oh, he, the one that he made. I don't was it the was it the last basket that was scored that one that he made in the right corner after getting his own rebound where he basically did a turnaround fadeaway shot and knocked it down. I'm like, 
How in the world can you hit that? But some of these other shots that you take, you just, you got nothing. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's maddening. So, yeah, and in this game, you should want to get the ball inside. That was how you had success in the first matchup between these two teams. Armando Baycott, he was 9 of 17. Still, I mean, that even that number, not unbelievably efficient, but they really didn't have much for him inside. He had 13 rebounds in that game, too. Like, Lashevsky just, he, he, the biggest issue with Lashevsky is on the other end of the floor. That's where he's hurt Carolina. It has not been defensively. Armando Baycott has done work against him. But, I mean, look, Puff Johnson played well in that game. Carolina, they did shoot the ball well from the outside. They were 8 of 19. But they shot 46 shots from inside the arc in that game. 46 to 19. That's the type of, well, uh, what I mean, discrepancy, I guess, that we're looking for. Yeah. We want you to be more aggressive getting the ball inside. Two-thirds or more than two-thirds of your shots should be from the inside. And I don't know at this point if you can trust them to do that. So we'll 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 have to see. But yeah, that's I mean, that's the way they're gonna win this game is to take this team off the bounce and get the ball inside to Armando and let him go to work against Lashevsky. Yeah, on the flip side, the one thing they got to do is they've got to defend the three-point line because you know Notre Dame is going to take them, and you know they're going to make them. They make roughly nine three-pointers per game, um, which is you know that that in, in on on the surface does seem like a lot, but they also shoot it a lot, and so what Carolina's got to be cognizant of is how to. First off, defend on the perimeter with spacing. That's as you mentioned. That's the big thing uh, Lashevsky does is he he spaces the floor and he opens up the driving lanes for their their guards. Um, but you also got to just be so much more mindful about closeouts and stuff like that. Like, look, they want to sit up there and they want to jack thirty footers. You're gonna let them. Like, we don't want you guarding a thirty foot jump shot because you're. I don't want you picking up a foul because then I'm a, I'm gonna complain about that. But this has got to be a scenario where going over, going under ball screens in this game not an option. No, and for you're, some honestly, you're going to have to switch a lot. The, the in other, this game which and is why Puff Johnson it. should play more. Yes, because well, look, look, you can switch one through five with Pete, and there have been dude in the first half of the year. Pete was the best defender on this team. He out defended Leaky Black, but. I mean, so, I, I didn't some, think he was bad defensively some, the other day. Something's happened to where he's not giving it at all, his all, and 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 this reluctance and this this the scheme of we're going to go under ball screens and then we're going to sag off as as well. Oh, the closing just, out on just those makes plays well, there, it's ridiculous. not it's not the closing out when you're they're being they're they're being told to sag back. You're not going to be able to make up ten fifteen. Feet well, in half a, the time they don't second. even they don't even contest the shot, and so it's just at you know it's it's twenty twenty three, shooting at 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 this level, is at an a, an all time high. Shooters are too good. Like if 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 I was fifteen years old, I'd be getting D one offers left and right. Okay, slow your roll. So you, you've got to go over screens, and then I don't know, or or is is it legal? Is it allowed for them to trap on a ball screen? 
Because we don't do of a question. We don't do it. Why? Why did they not double DJ Burns more in the post the other day? Too. I, by I the guess way? they were too worried he was going to burn them with his passing. I don't know. I mean, I don't get it. Like did we we have not seen that. Look, I get it. We talked a lot about how Carolina would get burned with that at times under Roy Williams. I mean, my God, can we at least try it at some point? Like when when teams start going on runs, especially like you you had times where DJ Burns would catch the ball a foot inside the arc and would back Pete Nance down all the way to the basket. Not all of that is on Pete Nance, guys. Like if if you see him struggling, I don't know, maybe try to bring someone else over to try to trap him. I like how does 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 is there no sense? Like, I, I just, I don't know. That that makes no sense to me. But again, that's another thing. People are going to say, well, that is coaching. Okay, part of that is coaching. The other thing is, is if you are on the other end of the floor away from your bench, you need to think of that as a player out there to go over and help your guy. I Like, it's just a communication. There is none. And so... Yeah, I mean, in this game, that's the thing, man. You you have to run them off the three-point line. You did it in the first game. They only attempted 18 threes. This is a team that averages 24, uh, almost 25 a game. Um, and that was right around that same mark when you played them the first time. Mm-hmm. So they're an extremely aggressive team from the outside. But the thing is, is that, I mean, look, yeah, you said it. They knocked down 36%, which is 71st in the country. But here's the thing. They it, it, they don't do a good job of rebounding off of misses. So if you defend the three ball well, even if they shoot a lot, this is not a team that creates a lot, a lot of second chances. They are 353rd in the country in offensive rebounding. Well, and the other thing with that, so what do what do long misses lead to? Runouts, long rebounds, which lead to runouts the other way. Carolina should should have at a bare minimum fifteen fast break points in this game. Oh, I wouldn't hold your breath on bare that. minimum. They because whenever they miss the shot and they're shooting it from 25, 30 feet away, and you should just take it and run it down and lay it up. Well, it's to be really fair, that simple. To be fair, they're probably going to miss. There, how many guys the other day? Did they miss on the wings? Whoever was bringing the ball, whether it was Caleb or RJ, just completely missed dudes that were wide open on the wing running the running the floor. Like these, that's that's one thing that was pointed out to me by someone last year, and during the tournament, you 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 sort of saw it disappear a little bit. These guys do not see the floor well at all. They are not. They they do not have the point guard vision that you need to be able to to, to push the ball up the court and be a really good running basketball team. They just Which they makes just aren't. No sense because you've got one of the best floor generals on your coaching staff. These guys are just not point guards. That that, that they don't they need to, a true point guard that that knows how to to run the secondary break and all that. The the last key for Carolina. As it is every time, because and we mentioned this earlier. You mentioned the rebounding stat. 
if Carolina dominates the glass, that negates a lot of the negativity stuff. Like what happened against State is an anomaly. You're, there, aren't, there aren't many games where you're going to double up or not double up, but you're not going to beat your opponent on the glass like Carolina did. What was it? Plus 14. Plus right? 14 and get beat. Mm. It just doesn't happen. And so, you well, know, that that was something it, where I thought the I thought that was the one thing in the game against State that wasn't questioned. Their rebounding prowess was there. It just seemed like when they needed to get that one rebound, that's where I got back to that it was just yep. evident that State wanted it more. State was willing to throw their body in there, sacrifice, do whatever they got to do. You're not going to probably have to do that in this game because you're not going to Notre Dame's not going to be as emotionally invested in this as as State was cuz Notre Dame's playing for is, is anybody? Are they more emotionally invested in that that matchup against Carolina than some of the Duke teams sometimes? I would yeah. I, I mean I would probably argue. And so, you know, if 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 Baycott does what he does on the glass and everyone else pitches in and, and, and contributes Leaky Black had seven rebounds in the first matchup, RJ had five, Puff Johnson had six off the bench. If Carolina can do that, that 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 can really negate another bad shooting night, turnovers, what whatever it is that it that it, that it might come out to, and it, it's it's just. I think I've said this a couple times when we were the Roy's Boys podcast. Now we're we're the Four Corners podcast. I don't think y'all want to listen to me if they lose this game. Like I, I have this. This look, you said it the last, the the last time, and you were kind of joking. If they lose this game, you may actually just not show up for the next edition of the podcast. I might just have sixty minutes of recorded audio with me just breathing. <laughs> See, normally you would say, "Well, how would you do that?" Because do you do you do you really breathe that heavily? Yes. All we're gonna do is run you up the stairs one time and just have you breathe into the mic. Um. Oh. And so let's go ahead and pick the game. Caroline. I don't get to comment on the rebounding. No, there's really not. There's really nothing else to say. I, this is what I'm gonna say about this what? offensive rebound in this game. This team should have what 15 offensive rebounds in this game. Can and and here's the thing: if you're gonna pull down these offensive rebounds, they they had offensive rebounds against State. You have to couple the offensive rebounding with finishing at the rim. This team continues to struggle with second chance points. They do not they they don't even come close to averaging even one and a half points to their offensive rebounds, which is maddening. So if you're going to do all the work of getting the offensive rebound, how about finishing as well? And that doesn't mean getting the offensive rebound and then getting fouled and not finishing. They have to be able to finish through contact at times, too. That That's that's where, where this team has really started to struggle recently. If you do that in this game, this team should not be able to keep up with you. They, If you get extra possessions, they will not be able to get extra possessions unless you give it to them on turnovers. And they don't force a lot of turnovers. They are this they they are second worst in the country at forcing turnovers. Yep. So it's this recipe is simple, but at the same time, I would not be stunned if Carolina doesn't follow this recipe. Yeah. And um like I said, if if they don't 
we might become explicit. Um, oh man! All right. Carolina enters with a seventy-five point one percent chance to win the game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. I think Carolina wins. That was a long paw. But I, I don't know why, other than the fact <laughs> that maybe I'm just a dumb fan that still believes in. I think it's not even that I want them to win. It's more that now I need them to win for for my conscience, for my vocal cords. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, after the, after the, this podcast is concluded, I will give you the number of my therapist. This team, you are going to have to lay on a couch and talk about this team. <laughs> this, this is one of those types of teams. Here's, here's how I would categorize this game. Can I categorize this as a you better game? That's 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 how I'm that's all I'm going to say. We sound like a a, a couple of pissed off parents that or they're disappointed parents and their kids. Oh yeah. Oh, this is this is this is hey, your child, your child has an F. They need an A on the final to pass. And our response is you better. Like this is one of those games. There is, there is no way. If you lose this game, you will get absolutely massacred on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna warn you. I didn't know we were out here communicating threats. I'm going to warn you. Do not. I'm gonna go Stephen A. Put that camera on me. Do not lose this game. You can't. Like this is, th- this team, man, that you're facing. Outside of Louisville, is the wor- is, is the worst team you will face this season. Uh, either them or Florida State. But again, these are two teams that fit into that category. I don't care that it is on the road. I don't. You had better come away with a win. Because if not, if you come out in this game and you are struggling, if you are losing at halftime, you might as well come out of the locker room with someone's panties on a flag that's wearing white pants and just and wave, wave the white flag. Wave it and call the season over at that rate. You should win this game. That's the only reason I'm picking Carolina because I'm going to tell you, if they were playing literally any other opponent outside of the bottom three in the ACC right now on the road, I would pick them to lose this game. I would. So that's the reason I'm picking them. I can't say that I blame you. Um, that's just uh, what a great what a great time to be doing this podcast. Ah, that's just where we are right well right now. Well, no matter what happens on the court Wednesday night, we'll have you covered at heeltoughblog.com with a uh, there'll be a preview of the game written up, and there will be a recap of the game written up. I don't know by who. Depends on the result. If it's a loss, I might just take a break from that as well. As I as we continue to oh, take wow. you as we continue to take you through the rest of the basketball season, you you know that it's it, you know, March is coming around and this is our time of the year and um like kind of like last year it was a big time it was a big deal for Carolina to make the field. It feels like this year is going to be once again the same way. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. <laughs> We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. 
We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we do want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any game previews, any game recaps that include passionate rants and communicated threats, any great uh, interviews that we may have with guests down the rest of the way, all that coverage and more. Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any edition of the show without the remainder of the season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! <laughs>